He said, I'm, I'm putting a puzzle together. I said, it's supposed to be a rooster. She said, honey, put the cornflakes back in the box. <laughs> yeah, that's a frustrated pastor, I'll tell you there. And there are a lot of Monday mornings like that, I assure you. But not all, you know, there, I love to do jigsaw puzzles. And as I was growing up, my grandmother lived with us, and one of her favorite things was to put puzzles together. But there's nothing more frustrating than to work long, hard hours on a puzzle, and then you get there and you've got a couple of pieces missing. That's not fun. You know, God is putting together a great work here at Alberta Baptist Church. And it's going to fit together, unlike the cornflakes. And it's not going to be a rooster. It's going to be the work of God in our midst as we see God doing something great. But I want you to know that we all work together. We are, each one of us individually, are a piece of a greater puzzle. We're calling you this morning to that type of commitment. To be a part of a great work. Something bigger than ourselves individually. And even as Alberta Baptist Church, we're a part of a work of the church that is even greater than Alberta Baptist Church. That we're part of God's church. And that's what we want to look at this morning. Paul says, chapter 6, verse 1, And working together with Him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For He says, At the acceptable time I listened to you. On the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the privilege of being a part of what you're doing. God, we thank you for the privilege of working together with you, with your people, in this great work of ministry. Father, we pray this morning that you would open our eyes to our particular calling in life. Lord, that you would enlighten us and show us and lead us to the very specific place you would have each of us serve in this ministry. So Lord, we thank You for what You're going to do. We thank You in advance for what You're going to do in our hearts this morning. And we thank You most of all for the privilege of being a part of Your work. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to just walk through this passage this morning and just point out a couple of very simple but yet powerful principles. And the first one is this, that we are all commissioned to serve. And working together with Him, we also urge you We urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Now, Paul is building on what he has already said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, some very important things. He says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to be recompensed or rewarded or judged for the deeds that we've done in our body, whether good or bad. We must all appear before Christ one day. Then also Paul says later on that God has given to us a ministry of reconciliation. Now you may want to read this and say, well, that's Paul's ministry. No, Paul makes it very clear that we are all commissioned to serve. And here he he brings a, a positive light into it as he talks about the grace of God. That he says that we have received the grace of God and I urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. See, God's grace is extended to us in the gospel. We receive God's grace by repentance and faith. We turn from living a life without God, and we turn to living with God by faith in Jesus Christ. As Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. We come to the Father through Jesus Christ, through repentance and faith, and it's an act of God's grace, for by grace we've been saved. 
So Paul says, now I urge you don't receive that grace in vain. That's an interesting thought. Don't receive that grace in vain. You know, in Galatians, Paul talks about falling from grace. Falling from grace. We've probably heard that term many times. But basically, there there are several things that Paul has in mind here. One is the whole idea of legalism. We fall from grace. We take the Lord's, uh, we uh, receive the Lord's grace in vain when we turn to legalism. As God has forgiven us by His grace, we want to add something to it. And so legalism says, yes, it is by grace, but you must do this and this as well. And so we have this dread in our life. This, we live under this cloud of, am I doing enough? Have I done enough to be saved? I lived under that cloud for 18 years. I knew there was a God. had no doubt about the fact that God was real. But how, how could He love me? Sure, I've been baptized, but was I a good enough person? Until I understood this concept of grace. So legalism is one of the ways we take the grace of God in vain. Another way is lawlessness. We just say, well, God's grace is here. It's abundant. It's free. I'm just going to do what I want to do. Paul talked about that in Romans chapter 6. Shall we continue in sin that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who have died to sin still live in it? See, when we receive the gospel... And the Holy Spirit comes into our life. Our sin is contrary to the presence of Christ in our life. There's going to be a conflict there. There's going to be a battle, the flesh against the Spirit. And it will always be there. I love that story. The guy had two dogs who fought every day. And he asked, the neighbor said, which one wins? He said, the one I feed the most always wins. And so the Spirit and the flesh are in opposition to one another. And when we give in and succumb to this temptation of lawlessness, thinking that grace has got us covered, then we are in the danger zone of turning our back on the gospel. But I think what Paul is telling us here, that we receive the grace of God in vain whenever we, we want to sit back and watch other people do what Paul has talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. God has given to us A ministry of reconciliation. That we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to be recompensed for our deeds having been done in the body, whether good or bad. That we have received this grace of God. We are to be good stewards, as Peter says, of this manifold, manifold, many colored, very colored grace that God has given to each one of us. Here, here I think, is the key in my mind. And I want you to write this down. Understanding grace leads to gratitude, which leads to gospel living. Understanding grace leads to gratitude, which leads to gospel living. What is gospel living? Well, we just live out the gospel every day. We love because Christ loves me. That's what the gospel says. I forgive because Christ forgave me. That's what the gospel says. I serve because Christ came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Like Brother David shared with us last week, we relinquish our rights because of the gravity. I like that word. The gravity, the importance of the gospel. We're willing to lay down our rights because of the gravity of the gospel. Grace leads to gratitude, which leads to gospel living. When we understand this concept of grace, 
that God loved me regardless. God loved me in spite of myself. Christ died for sinners. The ministry of reconciliation, Pastor Colby just read about why we were enemies. Christ died for us. That is the whole concept of grace. So we are all, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, if you have received God's grace, do not receive God's grace in vain. That's his word. Let's look at that. Do not receive the grace of God in vain. As God's grace is working in you, allow him to work through you. As God's grace is working in you, God's grace is there for salvation. God's grace is there for sanctification. Sanctification is a big word which means you're becoming more like Jesus every day. Your sanctification. As God's grace is working in you, allow Him to work through you. Because we are all commissioned to serve. Here's the neat thing. Number two, we're commissioned to serve together. And working together with Him. Look at that. With Him. With God. Did you know the Scripture says that as servants in the church, we are co-laborers with God? That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He said, I planted and Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Did you know that when you're rocking those babies in the nursery, you're working with God? Did you know when you're teaching that, son, that children's Sunday school class? When you're singing in the choir? We are God's fellow laborers. We're working together with Him. You say, well, does God need us? No, He doesn't. As a matter of fact, William Carey, when he felt God's call to go to India as a missionary, he was told by his church fathers, young man, you know, God will save the people in India whether you go or not. That was just kind of their thinking. God uses people because God always uses the gospel. There's no other way. There is no other way other than the gospel being proclaimed. How can they hear without a preacher? How can they hear without a preacher? The question is asked. The gospel is the life-giving power of God that He can trust to us. So we are co-laboring. We're commissioned to serve together with God. What a privilege. Whatever you see in this booklet, I want you to understand, I'm going to do this by the grace of God with God's, with God's presence, God's power, and in partnership with God. Paul says, we, are, we work together with God. But also, notice the we, <laughs> that we work, we minister with other people. We minister with other people. That's the beauty of serving in the church. As we don't do this alone. We're co-laborers with each other. As a matter of fact, we cannot do it alone. You know, we need, I think, to be sharing the gospel. We're going out in the community like we did last Sunday afternoon. But we also need to be bringing people to church. Inviting people to come to church. And here's why I think it's so important to bring people to Alberta Baptist Church. Not just so that they can hear the gospel, the good news about Christ. But they can come to Alberta Baptist Church because they can see the gospel of Jesus Christ. They see how we love one another. They see how we honor one another. 
They see how we consider one another as more important than ourselves. Sure, everybody's got an opinion just like everybody's got a nose. But we, we don't go, you know, everybody has a voice, but we're here as a body. We're the body of Christ. And that's why Paul was so, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he talked about the body of Christ. And we serve together because of our spiritual gifts. That The spiritual gifts have been given to us to build up the body. And you say, well, I don't feel very important. I don't know how gifted I am. Well, I encourage you to, to discover your spiritual gift. And there are a lot of tests you can take, and I, that's okay. I think the best way to discover your gift is just to serve. And to find out where you're effective. And believe this may sound selfish, but where you enjoy serving. If God's gifted you, you will enjoy serving in that area. And you'll be gifted at it. But we're the body. You say, well, I don't, I don't feel very important. I feel like the little toe. <laughs> Let me ask, have you ever stumped your little toe? <laughs> How does the body respond to that little toe? Hey, when it hurts, we all hurt. We're all a part of this. We are commissioned to serve together. We all have a ministry. We're all commissioned to serve. We're commissioned to serve together. Number three, we're commissioned to serve with endurance. Paul says here in verse 2, For he says, At the acceptable time I listened to you, and at the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation, giving no cause for offense in anything so that the ministry will not be discredited, but in everything, commending ourselves as servants of God, in much endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, in distresses, in beatings, in imprisonments, in tumults or riots, in labors, in sleeplessness, in hunger. Paul says when you sign up, I want you to sign up with your eyes open. Okay? That this is a spiritual work. This is a ministry. And I assure you, he says, it will not be easy. And I can assure you that today. Serving the Lord never has been, never will be easy. We're to, we're to sign up, we're to serve the Lord with endurance, but that, that endurance is tempered with the sense of urgency that we see in verse 2. Look at that. At the acceptable time I listened to you, and on the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Now, Paul is quoting Isaiah 59. And the particular situation was when God delivered the nation of Israel from Babylon. Now was the acceptable time to deliver the nation of Israel from Babylonian captivity. Paul relates that now to our captivity to sin. Being enslaved to sin. He says, now through Christ, through the gospel, God has set us free from the captivity of sin. Now is the acceptable time. See, that's the the urgency of our work. Every day, when John Wesley was 84 years old, 84, he wrote in his diary, he said, a terrible sin has overtaken my soul. He said, I slept to 5.30 this morning. I slept to 5.30 and there's a world perishing all around me. Here was a man who was burdened about the souls of little boys and girls, men and women who didn't know Jesus. He knew that everyone who died without Christ stepped into a godless eternity. And so I remind you, church, that's what's at stake. And so, but we, we, we begin this race with the end in mind. It's urgent. It's important. But Paul says we serve for in much endurance. 
Now, I don't want to embarrass them, but a couple weeks ago, Jennifer Mills and Kara Blankenship ran a half marathon. You know how far a half marathon is? It's over 13 miles. In one day. I remember one time I was jogging on vacation in Florida and came by a couple of guys and said, hey, D, what's wrong? Somebody stole your car? You know, people just don't, jog, don't go 13 miles. But they were running for a good cause. But you don't sprint 13 miles either, do you? No. You've got to begin with the end in mind. I'm going to begin here, but at mile 13, I'm going to have enough left to finish. And that's what Paul is saying here, in much endurance... I'm going to prepare myself spiritually, just like you prepare for a run. I'm going to grow spiritually. I'm going to have something to share. I will not burn out. I'm going to come into this concept of ministry with the idea of endurance, of endurance. They, we see that there in verse, and all the things that Paul went through. He, he says that we are commending ourselves because this is how we have suffered. Who in their right mind would go through these things if it were not an eternal cause. Let me tell you again, I'll say it again. Serving the Lord, serving in this church will not be easy. But there's a place for you. We'll do it together and we'll do it till Jesus calls us home. Amen? We're going to do it to the bitter end. The glorious end in our case. Number four, we are commissioned to serve with integrity. This is what Paul says in verse six. In purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in genuine love. Paul tells us this is how he served. This was his attitude. This is how he ministered and this is how we should as well. Impurity refers to his motives. He was not guilty of trying to take advantage of anyone. In knowledge refers to his ability to know the needs of people. To know the gospel. To know how to communicate. To know that the greatest need of man today is, sure, they need food. They need clothing. We need to do everything we can to meet their needs, as James tells us. But also, to know the greatest need is the gospel. And that's what rocking babies is all about, eventually. That's what cleaning up. That's what doing anything. It's all to facilitate the sharing of the gospel. We're commissioned to serve with integrity. And let me say this to Alberta Baptist Church. When we talk about integrity, our responsibility is not to judge the motives or the methods of any other church in this country, in the world, in this city. Our job is not to judge the methods or the motives of any other church, any other work. Our responsibility. We don't have a corner on the market when it comes to integrity. Our responsibility is to love people to Jesus. To love people to Jesus through the gospel that we, we have before us. Okay, So you know, it's easy to sit back and say, oh, they do this, they do No, that's not our responsibility. When we talk about integrity, the, most, the, the thing to do with integrity is to say, you know, this is what God's called us to do. And we're going to do it with all our heart. Okay, So let's more, uh, ministry serve with integrity. In patience, Paul says, let me tell you, you've got to have a lot of patience. Dan and Lawana Turner were telling you, had, had 28, how many did you have in your house last night? 28 people this weekend. 28 youth. You don't do that without a lot of patience. And good insurance. But a lot of patience. 
in patience and kindness. You know, I was thinking about this. Patience is how we react. Patience is reactive. Kindness is proactive. You think about it. We need both, don't we? Because there are going to be situations in ministry when we're serving where something unexpected happens. How we respond communicates patience. Kindness is proactive. I read the story of some Japanese missionaries who'd been there for years and had really struggled to get anybody, you know, to make a headway at all. And one day, one of the missionaries was preaching and a Japanese man just spat right in his face. He just wiped it off and kept on preaching. That one act gave them cred, credibility with the Japanese. And they began to view them as men descended from heaven. Because that's not the normal way to react. We react with patience. That's what Paul says here in everything. When you think of Paul, you may not think of a patient person, but he really, he really was. In purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit. There's the key right there for serving the Lord, isn't it? We minister in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gifts us, equips us, enables us. The gift of the Spirit, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All the things that we are not, we are when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's how we are to serve. In genuine love, kind of sums up what I've been trying to say for the last five minutes. In genuine love, if it's not genuine, it's not going to work. Here's what I want you to know about this verse. Verse 7. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's just a, a rule of life. People don't care how much you know. You may come in knowledge and you may come in, in patience and perseverance, but they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We're all commissioned to serve. We're commissioned to serve together. We're commissioned to serve with endurance. We're commissioned to serve with integrity. Number five, we're commissioned to serve with power. Look at verse seven. In the word of truth, in the power of God, by the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left. We've got all we need, church. God has given us, Peter says, everything pertaining to life and godliness. It's all there. Weapons. Man, we got a sword for the right hand and a, a shield, which is a defense weapon, for the left hand. The shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit. We're ready to go to battle. And we go, we fight from a perspective of victory, not defeat. We go recognizing the power of God, the word of truth. Look at that in verse 7. In the word of truth, in the power of the gospel. The power for ministry comes from God. When we go into that classroom, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When we go out on visitation, when we go into that home, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We come in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. We come in the power. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to him so we can go and make disciples. We don't come from a defeated perspective. We don't come from a mealy mouth, I hope so. Hey, we come with authority. The authority of God's Word. And we can say, as Paul said in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the Gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That's the power that we have been commissioned to serve in. Not ashamed of the Gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone 
who believes. Lastly, we're commissioned to serve with an eternal perspective. Paul has already mentioned this in chapter 5. Again, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that we may be recompensed for our deeds having been done in the body, whether good or bad. And Paul goes on to say, for we persuade men. Therefore, knowing the fear of God, knowing the wrath of God, we persuade men. You know, Pastor Colby read Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, but God demonstrated His love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you know what verse 9 says? Paul says, much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God. Again, we don't talk a lot about the wrath of God. But hell is real. And when we minister from an eternal perspective, it kind of gives some fire to us. It puts a little step in our, you know, a little giddy up in our step. Because this is eternal work. Lives are at stake. Heaven and hell. And so Paul says we minister from an eternal perspective, but this is what it looked like. By glory and dishonor. The earth sees it as dishonor. God sees it as glory. Look at verse, again, by evil report and good report. People are going to talk bad about you, but the most important thing is what does the Father say about you? What does God say about you? Evil report, good report. Regarded as deceivers yet true. Unknown yet well known. Dying yet behold we live. Punished yet not put to death. As sorrowful yet always rejoicing. As poor yet making many rich. How can we make many rich? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, that you through His poverty might be made rich. Through the Gospel. I mean, we need to meet the needs of our community, which we're doing very effectively. But the greatest need of our community is Jesus. is the Gospel. And so we minister with an eternal perspective. That having nothing yet possessing all things. Having nothing, yet possessing all things. That's who we are in Christ. We have an eternal perspective. We serve from an eternal perspective. We do not look for instant gratification because we will not always see immediate results. We will not always be applauded by men. But that's not our goal, is it? At Alberta Baptist Church, we want to be a gospel-focused church. Through every facet of ministry, everything you see in this booklet, to confront men and women, boys and girls, with the good news of Jesus Christ. Making them rich, not materially, but spiritually. Making them rich in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Paul told Timothy, a young man, He says, but you be sober in all things, endure endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Let me close by asking you, what is your ministry? If you're a Christian, you have a spiritual gift. And that gift, Paul says, has been given given to you for the building up of the body. Where do you fit? Where do you fit? We need you to be plugged in. Nobody can do everything. But everybody can do something. Grace leads to gratitude, which leads to gospel living. Do not receive the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ in vain. Let me pray for us. Father, thank You for Your Word this morning. 
Again, we thank you for the privilege of serving with you in your work. We thank you that your work becomes our ministry. And our ministry is your work. What a privilege. Lord, I thank you for those who are faithfully serving now. Lord, I thank you that uh, you you have given them the strength to endure. Father, I pray that many would join in where they are equipped. That many would join in the work here. Find their place of service. Father, we thank you that we can serve together for your glory. Lord, I pray this morning that if there's one here who does not know Christ in a personal way, they're still living in, maybe in the the despair of legalism, wondering if I've done enough to please God. May they understand the concept of grace, that we're saved by grace, that you loved us while we were sinners. While we were, were indeed enemies of God, you loved us. Lord, maybe there are others who are caught in the trap of lawlessness and are in danger of just turning their back on the gospel. Lord, draw them to Yourself this morning, we pray. Convict them of their sin and judgment as the Holy Spirit does. Lord, show them, enlighten them to the light of the gospel, the good news of Christ, the freedom in Christ that we have. For Lord, we pray in Jesus' name, Lord, now move and work for Your glory. Amen.